Excuse me. Alright. Welcome to Are They Drunk in There? <laughs> the podcast about home cooking and food food science with some wine. <laughs> I'm Christina. I'm Emily. Oh, I am a glass and a half into uh, Sunday Bay White Wine Savion Blanc from New Zealand. Um, I believe it's a 2019. It's pretty good. Um, I would say mm, 6 out of 10. What are you drinking? I got a real classy um, Kirkland Signature Cabernet uh, Savion. And uh, this bottle is a premium Mondo size. So it is real high class, everybody. Actually, no, I have to say it is really good. Um, I did give some to my mom who was skeptical because I told her it was like $7 for this huge bottle of wine. But it was really good. Um, (laughs) Joe bought a $13.99 bottle from the liquor store and we both were like, bleh! And then we opened our $6.49 or however much it was from Costco and we're like, man, this is pretty good. So I don't know if that says something about our taste or just how good Costco wine is, but I'm just saying it was great. A good wine is wine that you like. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So today we're talking about like your nutrition label, right? So when you flip over something, usually packaged goods like your tortillas or your Pop-Tarts, um, what's in there, right? Yeah, so first we'll be talking about citric acid. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> citric acid is what um, would be classified as a weak acid. Ooh, what is a weak acid? So a weak acid means that the acid doesn't fully dissociate in water. So um, a lot of times with acid, the molecule will break up into a positive and a negative bond. So with your really strong acids like hydrochloric, which you can uh, find in your stomach, they'll break up into H and Cl, which is hydrogen and chloride, whereas this one doesn't always break up. Sometimes it tends to stay together as like one full molecule. Okay, so what is this normally in? Citric acid, you can imagine, comes from uh, citrus. So lemons um, are a really big uh, citric acid Uh, component but a lot of times when you see it on your label it's actually the manufactured form because it is only citric acid so when uh, sometimes you can have citric acid on your label and not know about it because technically it comes in with your lemon juice but Mm -hmm. when it's labeled as citric acid it's more of the manufactured food additive that is like a powder that's added like after the fact to your food. Interesting. So do you know if like the manufactured part normally comes from like lemons or? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, it's really expensive to produce directly from lemons. So um, there is a chemical process. Uh, (laughs) What I found interesting in doing uh, some of the research is that it's sometimes called sour salt because Hmm. it actually looks like salt in in the actual granular form. So when you look at it, you see like something that's very typical of salt. But if you taste it, it's really sour, hence the like uh, sour salt or the acid. Okay. What is it like? What does it do when it's added into these foods? So citric acid can be used for a multitude of things, but two of the really key ones are it can be added as a flavoring. 
a lot of times chefs kind of talk about the balance of your finished food, right? Mm -hmm. So it can be added to add some like tangy flavors to things with high fat, but also to um, increase some of like the acid notes in basically anything from your preserves to your beverages and things like that. Uh, Another thing it's used for being an acid is as a preservative. When you preserve a food, um, you're looking to get over a couple of key hurdles. pH is one of those key hurdles. The acid will lower the pH of your foods. And at these lower pHs, bacteria just won't survive. So it's kind of like in the yogurt episode where I said they're really happy until they hit a certain pH and then they don't produce as fast anymore. Um, Citric acid can be used to adjust the pH there as well for the preserving effect. Another preservative that it can be used as is uh, keeping fruit fresh after it's cut. So it kind of uh, slows the oxidation process. A lot of times when you make apple pie, you add some lemon juice to it. So that's partially for flavor, but then also can stop that browning effect. A couple of the common items, which I mentioned before, that um, citric acid is used in and that you might find on your label are um, beverages and preserves. So those will be your jams and jellies. But also sometimes you'll find it in your dairy and candy. And another lead driver would be uh, ketchup. So a lot of times ketchup also has um, the citric acid in it. Remember when mom got us a Heinz ketchup bottle? (laughs) (laughs) That picture of us like in cowboy hats and stuff. This was from college, right? We were in like some dance club and um, yeah, and we had like a country western dance that we were like wearing like bandanas and cowboy hats and our mom like took that picture and put it on these like commemorative Heinz ketchup bottles and that was part of our Christmas present. <laughs> we both loved it though. She she definitely hit the nail on the head with that because we both were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh um, man. So the next one is maltodextrin. When we would use it as a a food ingredient, sometimes we just call it the malto because it's such a long word. Yes. So maltodextrin is a powder that's created from starch. So what happens in this process is um, the starches are broken down uh, enzymatically. So they're hydrolyzed, sorry, um, in a series of reactions. uh, And it just kind of breaks the starch into smaller molecules. Maltodextrin is typically used as a solids filler, but it also can be an added uh, sweetening agent as well as a shelf life extender. Um, But typically, a lot of times it's used in the cost reduction of a formula. So if you have a high fat item that you're looking for a little bit more texture in because you got rid of that fat, you can kind of replace some of those solids with maltodextrin and get uh, still a good, what they call mouthfeel in the food industry. So it feels like um, you have the same or pretty similar amount of product and the same dissolve of your product in your mouth. So I don't know if you've ever had, um, Uh, I guess I can go with like a high intensity sweetener. You put a little bit of that in your mouth and it just like punches you in the face and then you have sugar and it takes a little while and it like kind of dissolves slowly. Um, With a high intensity sweetener, 
uh, the mouthfeel is a little bit different than that of sugar because it takes more to get that same sweetness. So this here would fill up that solids void. So it's not like if you had a Gatorade and you put this in there, like it would become a solid. It's still a liquid. It just makes it feel a little bit less or a little bit. Yeah. Less viscous. Is that no, actually more more viscous for sure, but because you're taking out something that would be like a solid in it. So when we talk about mouthfeel, what we're talking about is the way that when you put a product in your mouth, how that uh, dissolves, how, um, for example, sometimes when you uh, chew a cracker, it crunches a certain way or basically okay. does it fill up your mouth, yeah, right? Yeah, like a Triscuit versus a Wheat Thin. Well, yeah, yeah. So those have different mouthfeels, right? Because mm-hmm. a Triscuit, you get all of those layers. You get um, a different type of crunch. Like a Wheat Thin is like more of like a crispy, whereas a uh, Triscuit's more of like a you crunch it down because it has all those additional like air pockets and stuff like that. So that's a uh, difference in mouthfeel. But um, talking about how Malto is used as like a filler, um, imagine you take a sweet and low and you take a pinch of that and the sweetness is right there and it like punches you in the face. You only have a pinch of it in your mouth. Now to get that same sweetness, you have to have like a couple of tablespoons of sugar. Now the amount that's in your mouth of sugar to get the same sweetness is a lot more so it fills up a lot more space right in your food versus this small amount of sweet and low so for instance like if you replace it in a beverage uh the product would be less viscous without adding more um filler products maybe you take out um your sugars which can be a lot of like your bulking agent But then you drink the product and it's like water, right? So you have to add something to add that like viscosity back. And that's what Malto kind of performs in some of these foods. Interesting. Is it safe? Yeah. So it's um, on FDA's list for grass, which means generally recognized as safe. So uh, the government has recognized this product as safe. there are a couple of watchouts, though, uh, for this product, for especially for those with diabetes, because um, it can raise your blood sugar. So just something to look out for if there is maltodextrin on your label. Um, it really is a quick digestible carbohydrate. So just something to look out for. A couple of common items that you can find this in are sports drinks, because, again, it's that quick digestible carbohydrate, but also um, things like light peanut butter. Sometimes you can see it in spreads. So like your cream cheeses and um, different types of spreads to um, as they decrease the fat in the product, you can see some of that difference uh, with the addition of maltodextrin. So I find that really interesting because if the point of putting maltodextrin into foods is to bulk them back up if you will and you're saying that a lot of the time like this is used as like a cost reduction and it's in things like light peanut butter and like you said you know low like low fat cream cheese or something 
I'm thinking in the back of my head, if I see maltodextrin, like this is cheaper, but it's because it's replaced by a powder that's produced by a starch and not by actual cream from the cream cheese and actual fat. So um, I don't have a problem with eating like fattier foods, like whole milk, whole whole milk yogurts, like that kind of thing. Um, You know, double churned ice cream, whatever. Um, Mm. I wonder if like, if I see maltodextrin on the label, what I'm hearing is it is one of those kind of like, like cop-outs almost, you know, to like reduce costs, which like I get it. But as a consumer, I almost want to say like, okay, well, I'm going to put that back on the shelf if there's an option that doesn't have that in it um, that's, you know, relatively similarly priced. Yeah. So it's a cost reduction because a lot of times um, you're hoping to meet certain price points. So certain companies um, want to sell a product at a certain price point. So to do that, you know, you have to work through giving the customer the same experience at a lower price point. And of course, like companies will want to make money. So like you said, from a business standpoint, this is a great idea. But for those of you who are concerned about like clean eating and things like that, of course, you want to go with something that has more fat and, um, you know, or, you know, switching out a yogurt or something like that is always an option. So, um, Um, this ingredient in particular is about giving you the same experience as maybe a full fat cream cheese. So it'll spread, it'll hold up to your bagel or like the full fat peanut butter will, you know, hold up. You'll feel that thick texture in your mouth, but it won't have maybe all of the calories or, uh, from the fat that you would typically expect when you look at it. So it's all about making the choice for what's right for you and um, totally get it. Yeah. And just as a reminder, um, so you guys don't have to rewind, uh, this is, it's created from a starch. So it's not like, you know, it was made in some creepy lab where they have test tubes and bloody, bloody, blah. Like, no, it's just, it's a food starch. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, So it's just, it's not necessarily that it's like, you know, replaced by something bad for you. It's just, it was interesting to me to think like, okay, so they're taking out the fat, which takes out the calories. But for me, like a fuller fat thing is not, as bad as like something that's replaced by a lot of sugar, which I think maybe brings us into our third um, weird ingredient. I know. Look at that. Look at that uh, transition there. I mean, it just worked out so nicely. Uh, (laughs) So our third thing that we put on the label was sucrose, which honestly I have not seen on a label, but I know sometimes this is kind of called out uh, a lot in different things now as we go through um, a lot of the keto type diets where you're looking to reduce your sugar intake and things like that. So sucrose is uh, white table sugar. So uh, for those of you who have white sugar in your cabinet, you got some sucrose in there. It comes from cane or beet. And it is um, extracted from like the sugar cane or the beets. And then it goes through a refining process to make it white. Yeah, that's really cool. I think um, I was uh, watching one of those masterclass things and uh, they were talking about how you can actually eat sugar cane, but you're supposed to like spit it back out. So um, the sugar process, I think, would be really interesting to dive into on another episode as well, especially since now that's what you work in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's uh, uh, definitely something that I'd love to talk about for sure. And um, as I gain more expertise, but um, 
Yeah, because the the sugar cane itself has a lot of fiber in it, so I can't imagine swallowing that. Because I don't know that your body can break down the bagasse, which is all of the excess. <laughs> it might cause you some bagasse in the end. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, forever. <laughs> but really, it is called bagasse. <laughs> Okay, so obviously sucrose, we're saying it's white sugar. It's used for like a sweetener, right? But like, is there anything else that it could be used for? Oh, yeah. So we just talked about how sugar can be like your bulking agent, right? Because you can't just take that artificial or high intensity sweetener. Um, And I use high intensity because you have your natural like stevia sweeteners that are not necessarily artificial, but they are high intensity. So uh, you can't just take that one for one and assume that you're going to get the same effect. Like you have to use less stevia. And when you use less stevia, your cookies are kind of like, wah, wah. (laughs) Exactly. And um, so it can be a bulking agent. It can be what we call a humectant. So what it does is it holds on to water and uh, it maintains your water stability within your, your food. Imagine that, you know, your, your cookies stay moist or um, your cake stays nice and moist. Uh, sometimes the, the sugar also contributes to contributes to that because it can hold and release uh water in a in its like crystal form which is really cool um it's also like i said um a sweetener but it it can also be used as a preservative too because it does it lowers the water activity in the food so that's the water that's available to the bacteria to grow there are a ton of uses for sugar so um, sucrose is a really key ingredient in a lot of formulations um it does a, a good amount of work and it's a really interesting molecule yeah and i feel like as far as common items go it's fairly obvious so we're not gonna go into that yeah you want to sweeten it you put it in there that's right uh, so the last one um, is, and I'm going to probably butcher this, it's either ascorbic acid or ascorbic acid. Either way, what is it? Okay, it's funny that you say that because I also say ascorbic acid, but I, it actually, so <laughs> I looked it up online and it's ascorbic acid, but uh, potato, potato. Um, so... It is actually a variation um, of vitamin C, and it's also a weak acid like citric acid. So it'll have some a lot of those similar functions. Um, the chemic it's the chemical name for vitamin C, um, and it can be labeled as vitamin C on the label, but it also can be labeled as ascorbic acid. But one of the cool things about it is that it is an antioxidant. So like citric acid, where we talked about how it can like prevent oxidation when you cut up fruit and stuff like that, uh, this ascorbic acid can also do that. So one thing I learned about vitamin C back in eighth grade was that if you drink too much of it or like ingest too much of it, it's one of those vitamins that just like goes out with the system, if you know what I mean. Oh my gosh. Is that true? Oh, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. So 100% true. Um, And when people say, hey, when you're sick, take a vitamin C pill. I have to tell you my one of my biggest things that I say to that is 
all you're doing is paying for expensive urine. I don't remember who told me that, <laughs> but literally, I don't know if any of you have ever taken a vitamin C pill, but like an hour later, your pee is like bright yellow. That's yeah. all your vitamins. That is all your vitamins. You just peed them out. So why pay for it? Just eat an orange. I mean, you got some fiber with that, at least, you know, and some energy with that carbohydrate. (laughs) Plus, it tastes better. Anyway. hundred percent. You're not burping up that vitamin taste later. Yeah. So uh, vitamin C is a water soluble vitamin, and that's why that happens. There are also fat soluble vitamins. And if you guys are interested, let us know. We can talk more about it. But vitamin C is one of those ones that is water soluble. So if you have too much, it's going to go out the other end. Nice. Um, so where... <laughs> I don't know if it's nice, but yeah. <laughs> where does the uh, where does ascorbic acid come from? Um, naturally it occurs in fruits and vegetables, but, um, can be manufactured as well. Okay. So you said that, um, it's, it can, it's like an antioxidant, right? Like, um, that's great. Um, but I, this is terrible, but like businesses don't normally just add antioxidants into stuff unless it's like a marketing plea. So like, is there anything else that like this, like ascorbic acid does Oh, yeah. And so kind of like citric acid, it preserves the color and the flavor, but it also can add flavor to your food because imagine like most acids, it could add that little bit of like tart zing that you're looking for. And it goes really well with um, with, you know, your citrus flavors and things that um, usually have that ascorbic acid within their makeup. But um, on top of that, though, um, people will add it because of like you said they want to make that vitamin c claim like good source of vitamin c remember how we talked about good source of quote unquote uh by the fda and it has to have at least 10 percent of your daily value to make that good source of claim so if you haven't listened to it yet you can always listen to our uncommon protein sources episode and uh, get a little download on the uh, cfr for good source of so circling back like we always do real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're are, pedaling back. <laughs> what are some of the common items that um, ascorbic acid is in? Um, a lot of times it's used in fruit and um, dried fruit. Uh, fruit fruit and juice, veg- you mean? Oh. It's used in fruit? Well, yeah, no, even in fruit, like I think uh, sometimes it's used as a preservative in those like apple slices and stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, similar to what we talked about with citric acid, um, it can prevent some of that oxidation. So my or our mom used to have like this small container of ascorbic acid that she would just like sprinkle over apples. I don't know if you know this, but she would Mm -hmm. just like sprinkle it over there sometimes. And I'm like, what is that? (laughs) so apparently it was just to prevent some browning and uh she would just like sprinkle it over it was like a small container of like this whitish powder Mm -hmm. that she would just do that and it worked out pretty good so a lot of time it is in uh used in conjunction with fruit though um or to make vitamin c claims it's cool to kind of think about how far food science has come just since we were that little you know and like Mom was sprinkling stuff on our apple slices because um, uh-huh. now they have those onion savers and the, you know, 
vegetable savers and things like that where they they try and like absorb that ethylene that's like given off by bananas for example and some other like fruits and vegetables to keep them like preserved a little bit more um so this is just you know just really cool ascorbic acid always makes me laugh though right because i think of vitamin c and how obsessive like we're, we're talking about like using it as like a preservative for antioxidants and stuff and if you're a lady of a certain age or older, you're looking at, you know, anti-aging. And I'm like, oh, look yeah. at me anti-aging my apples. But now I'm anti-aging my face with vitamin <laughs> C, too. <laughs> uh, those serums and things. Oh, I know. But I'm just thinking, like, if you ever want to draw a conclusion between the two, there you go. Like, you want to antioxidant your face and antioxidant your apples. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I think that's it. I don't know. Did we have anything else? No, I think so. We just wanted to do a short episode on this today. See how you guys liked it. Uh, if you have anything else that you see on your labels this week or when you get home from work tonight, uh, send us an email at arethedrunkinthere at gmail.com or you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at arethedrunkinthere. Um, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Yep. Rate, review, and subscribe. Have a drink on us, but not on us. That's right. Honest, but not honest. <laughs> Bye. Bye.